Welcome to Promo Insiders, a new podcast from ASI's Counselor Magazine. In this weekly series, we tackle the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting news to fun trends. I'm senior writer John Corrigan, and today I'm joined by Stan Hansen, Director of Tax for the ASI family of companies. We'll be talking about the most dreaded issue in the industry that's not an illness, online sales tax. We have an extensive feature story on the topic in the April issue of Counselor Magazine. So, uh, you know, once again, thanks for coming on. And uh, it's, it's really the hot topic going on. You know, obviously people, first we had the tariffs, now we have coronavirus. But in between that, it's this online sales tax issue based on the Wayfair ruling from two years ago. That's still That's correct. It, right? It's, it's still affecting everybody. Ex- explain to people what this Wayfair ruling has changed when it comes to collecting sales tax. Okay. The best way to do that is to get a little bit of historical background. Uh, Start in the year about 1978, the Supreme Court ruled in a case called National Bellis Hess versus Illinois that you had to have a physical presence in a state before you were liable for collecting sales tax. So as long as you didn't send an employee into the state to consummate a sale, you just did it by email or by telephone or uh, by regular mail, you were liable for collecting sales tax. Then in about 1992, the Supreme Court reaffirmed that position in a case called Quill versus South Dakota, reaffirmed again that you had to have a physical presence in the state before you were liable for collecting sales tax. Well, from 1978 to the present time, a lot has happened with the U.S. economy. In 1978, uh, I don't know if the email was even available. Uh, now you have websites, and now you have Amazon, and now you have, uh, you know, retail sales being made over the uh, Internet system that never existed before, and all these people are making sales to various states and not collecting sales tax because they're relying upon old Supreme Court rulings that said you had to have a physical presence. Well, state of South Dakota says, and a few other states did too, but the Supreme Court took the South Dakota case called Wayfair, and South Dakota passed a law at the legislative level that says, we don't care about physical presence. You're driving sales in our state, and therefore you should have uh, be collecting sales tax. The South, uh, South Dakota legislature did this with the sole purpose and intent of forcing the Supreme Court to re-look at this case and reconsider their position. The Supreme Court did. And with that, they passed Wayfair that says you no longer need just physical presence to collect sales tax in the state. If you have minimal economic presence, you are now liable for collecting sales tax. That's how we got to the situation right at the present time. It's because of a new concept. Instead of just plain physical presence, it's now economic nexus or economic presence in a particular state. So now uh, distributors, it's the onus is on them to collect the sales tax. And in terms of uh, suppliers, they have to get um, either a resale certificate or an exemption certificate from distributors, right? Oh, that is correct. Um, all sales are subject to sales tax in, in theory unless the purchaser can come up with a sales tax exemption that states on the exemption why they are exempt from sales tax, that they're buying for wholesale or something under a particular state may be uh, sales tax exempt. Like in Iowa, for example, the purchase of farm equipment is sales tax exempt. 
not the purchase of a car, it's got to be farm equipment related and a sales tax exempt. So every purchaser is either going to pay sales tax or come up with an exemption. Is it easy to get an exemption? Yeah, it's easy to get an exemption. The primary purpose of an exemption, it takes the burden off of the seller of collecting sales tax. It's just the burden over to the purchaser. So if a state revenue agency comes in to audit somebody, they're going to say, we want to see your sales tax exemptions to the uh, seller as to why you didn't charge sales tax. The seller's going to whip out all these exemption uh, certificates and it puts the burden on the department of revenue to go to the purchaser to find out why do you believe you're sales tax exempt. So, yeah, they're very easy to get. You just have to fill out a form, but you have to be able to back up that form with facts. Now, uh, I guess because of the ruling that say you're a distributor doing businesses in different states, you would need a form in for, for each of those states? Uh, that is correct. Um, to make sure that you're liable for each state, the Supreme Court ruled that you had to have some type of minimal presence in each state. Well, states have passed a, what's called a bright line test that says if you have sales in our state that exceed $100,000 or 200 transactions, you are liable. You are deemed to have economic presence in our state, and you are liable for collecting sales tax. Give you an example. I work with a company that uh, makes sales to customers in the state of Wyoming. Wyoming passed a bright line test that said you have to have sales in our state of 100000 or more. That particular company is not registered in Wyoming because they are not deemed to have a minimal presence by that particular state's uh, law, namely $100,000 of sales. So every state that you have a sale in, if somebody wants to claim an exemption, like for, uh, they're buying for resale, they got to get an exemption certificate for each individual state. You are correct. I mean, so so this is really a lot of work uh, on everybody's part. I mean, distributors they have to collect, so so they have to, um, you know, talk to the, their customers. Suppliers have to talk to the dis the distributors to get their form. This this seems to be a lot of administrative challenges now. Uh, that is an understatement. Um, to go a step further, if you are deemed to have a economic presence in a particular state. The first thing you have to do is register with the Secretary of State for permission or authority to do business in that state. And once you register with the Secretary of State and get approval to do business in the state, then you got to register with the Department of Revenue in that state to get a sales tax uh, certificate. Then you have to be able to identify what you are selling. Most states charge a sales tax on tangible personal property. Some states charge sales tax on certain types of intangibles that are being sold. Now you have to go through and identify, is what I'm selling to a particular state liable or subject to sales tax? So it requires someone to become familiar with the state. If, to do one state is fine. I can handle one state, maybe two states. But how about somebody that's making sales to all 50 states? You have to get somebody who is going to be an expert or knowledgeable or specializes in sales tax only to file all the sales tax forms that are required. Now, we've talked to distributors who, uh, you know, especially in the top 40, you know, top 40 distributors, the, the large multi-million dollar companies, they have bought uh, third-party software. They register with a company like Alvara or, uh, or TaxJar, um, and, and, you know, they pay a certain amount of money. It's a lot, and, uh, and these services take care of the problem. But what about, you know, smaller companies? What do you recommend they do? 
good question. Uh, I'm not quite real sure how to answer that. Um, depends on how small the company is. If you're too small, namely you don't have $100,000 of sales in a particular state, you don't have to register for sales tax at all. You don't even have to collect sales tax. So it depends on what size of a company you mean by small. The states have passed legislation saying that if you have more than $100,000 worth of sales, they don't look upon you as a small company. You have more than just a minimal presence in our state, and you're liable for collecting sales tax. So if you're a middle-sized company, you're kind of at a crossroads. Do I incur the cost and expense of hiring a software company or some company that specializes in sales tax? Do I hire employees and say, your only job is going to be filling out sales tax forms and uh, remitting sales tax? Or do you just simply not make sales in that particular state because you can't afford the additional overhead? The people that are in a not a large company and not a small company, companies that are kind of in the middle are kind of at a crossroads and what to go, which way to go. And I don't have a definite answer for that. They got to make their own individual decision. Do you think that uh, you know? Obviously, we're talking about the burden. I mean, here at ASI, we've we've been covering this for a while now. You know, we've heard from different small business owners. We've covered uh, there. There was a um, congressional subcommittee hearing about it. Uh, everyone's talking about the stress and what the government needs to do. Do you think that the government's ever going to amend this or change this or make this somewhat easier for business owners? To give you my personal opinion, the answer is no. The, uh, Congress has had, since the 1950s, uh, there's court cases out in the 50s. There's a, a superficial law that they passed uh, called, um, uh, God, I can't even think what the name of the law is right off from memory here. But they passed some type of a resolution to hopefully to simplify uh, income tax, not sales tax, but income tax collection. From the 1950s to the present, Congress has done absolutely nothing. No legislation, no relief, no uh, overruling the Supreme Court. Um, and even some of the Supreme Court members have voted against the Wayfair case, cited and made statements that – they should not be in a position to rule on Wayfair. That should be the job of Congress. Well, Congress has had 30, 40, 50 years. They've had the last 20 years with a change in the economy with websites and email and uh, buying things online, and they've done absolutely nothing, and I anticipate they're going to continue to do absolutely nothing. Well, that is very discouraging, but I do appreciate uh, you know your frankness on this. I mean, you know, you are the director of tax for the ASI family of companies. You're the guy – that, that we go to for answers. The answer is, if you got more than a hundred thousand worth of sales, you got to collect sales tax. Now, what about um, as we wrap up here? What resources or what uh, you know? Wh where should some business owners go to get some help or guidance? Obviously, you know, we talked about some of them software companies. Do you have any other suggestions? Well, they got basically uh, two choices, or maybe three choices. One is a software company, if you want to pay the additional overhead. Uh, software companies, they specialize. Uh, one particular software company I deal with says, here's a list of 200 various types of sales. If you're making a sale of a product to a particular state, check this box that identifies as close as possible as to what you're selling, and the software company looks up and finds out if it's subject to sales tax. So the software company does the work. All you have to do is identify the property that you're uh, selling. If you don't want to incur that additional expense, your other recourse is to hire somebody. If to hire somebody uh, that is going to be filling out sales tax forms, that's going to be completing invoices, that's going to assess sales tax on the invoices, 
and make somebody in charge of sales tax. But again, that's going to be additional overhead. Uh, the third option is keep your sales to a particular state under $100,000 so that you're not liable for economic presence and therefore you don't have to collect sales tax. I mean, well, that, I mean, that's just not, I mean, that last one obviously will work, but it's not ideal for business. I mean, they don't. No, it's not ideal. Yeah. If you're right on the borderline of 90000 and the next year you're going to have sales of uh, 95000 the next year you're going to have sales of uh, 105000 oops, I went over the $100,000 uh, bright line test. What are you going to tell your customers? No, I'm going to hit that $100,000 line, and I'm not going to make a sale to you. Right. It's, it's almost a penalty for being successful. Uh, that is correct. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Yeah. And the states don't care. They want the revenue. Their position is that uh, J.C. Penney's, who's located in your state, has to charge sales tax. But another company not located in your state under the old rules did not have to charge sales tax. Therefore, they have an unfair economic advantage by not being physically located in a particular state. Well, this is just uh, something that we're going to continue to follow. Um, you know, it is obviously discouraging. Like you said, you don't think that there's going to be any changes to this. But uh, hopefully, you know, companies can, I guess, figure out a way to adjust as time goes on. Yeah. The other reason I don't figure there's going to be any changes is that the system is sort of settling down. There's no reason for Congress to change it. Uh, I don't think Congress even knows how to change it. Change it to do what? Say you're not liable for sales tax? Uh, Congress has said the Supreme Court has ruled nothing more we could do about it. Uh, just let it just let it die. Just you know, let's continue on. Everybody's adjusting, and for those reasons alone, I don't think Congress is going to take any action. Well, Stan, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insight. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Have a good one. You bet. Thanks.